You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And some may cry unfair when they receive, uh, when others are receiving more than they are. Yet if this more fair or, or this more than that they're receiving than you is based on what they need, they need more than what others may have in order to thrive. Fairness takes on a more holistic, a less shallow definition. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 311, and our title is Equality, Equity, and Jesus's Preferential Option for the Marginalized. Our feature text is Luke 6, 22. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. This passage in Luke's gospel, it marks the beginning of what many refer to as Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. And when we compare Luke's version of this sermon uh, to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, what begins to take shape is that Jesus' gospel, it simply wasn't good news or it wasn't received as good news for everyone. In Luke, Jesus uttered blessings on some, but woes on others. And those that he spoke blessings to, those were the marginalized, the exploited, and the oppressed of Jesus' society. Those that he spoke woes to were those in his society who were in positions of privilege and power. Let's look at it. You have the poor, the hungry, uh, the, the weepers, the hated, the excluded, the insulted, those who had been lied about, versus the rich, the well-fed, the laughers, and those that were spoken well of. And in, in some in Jesus' own society believed that the, the rich and the well fed and those whose lives were filled with laughter, that this was a sign or a token or proof that they had been blessed by God. While those who were poor or hungry and mourning, they believed they, these folks were being punished by God for some reason. And in that worldview, they were sinners. They were not less fortunate. They were not in need of compassion. Uh, they weren't in need of justice. Uh, they weren't in need of systemic change that, that, that radically reoriented their life. They were viewed as being instead morally inferior and getting what they deserved. Jesus turned that order of economics, of politics, that order of society, and even religious exclusion on its head. Some would say he turned it upside down. Others would say, no, he turned it right side up. He challenged people's preconceived interpretations of God and what fidelity to that God looked like. God was actually on the side of those that society was pushing to the undersides and edges. God wasn't on the side. Those, All of those other characteristics were not proof that God had blessed one group and was punishing another. God was actually standing in solidarity with the group that was being accused of of being punished. The reason they were living lives shaped like they were was not because of God's punishment, but because society had been designed against 
them. God was with those who were poor, hungry, heartbroken, hated, excluded, insulted, and what Jesus called the kingdom, it belonged to them. But but to those who were privileged in an unjust and, and social economic structure, Jesus didn't speak blessings to them. He spoke woes. And those woes, it pronounced uh, future sorrow uh, or at least distress. Jesus spoke to the people, uh, to this group uh, of, of uh, he spoke of loss. Um, for equity and equality, remember, it always feels like threat or loss or distress to those who have everything to lose within uh, the changes toward a, a more just society. They don't understand um, change as the good news of liberation. They see that as something that uh, they interpret it as something being taken away from them. And today, some have more than they could ever possibly need. For the wealthiest among us, being less wealthy really won't affect their daily lives much. But someone whose who's net worth is hundreds of, of, of millions of dollars, they still may feel that losing a million of it uh, so that others can simply eat, that that's somehow still a loss to them. Is, is supporting our interconnectedness this is the question. Is supporting our interconnectedness worth more than our bottom line or our net worth? Jesus began standing in the shadow of the cross as soon as he began to teach this gospel of blessings and woes. Those that he blessed were the opposite of those the elites blessed, and those that he warned were the opposite of those the powerful thought deserved woes. And Jesus called his listeners to look at their society and those within their society in the opposite way that they had been taught to. Nothing destroys one's empathy for others more completely than, than seeing them as less than. Jesus challenged his listeners and he challenged his their most cherished assumptions uh, uh, specifically about others. And this different lens, it would cause deep upheaval for people. It would cause deep upheaval economically, politically, socially, even religiously. The vision for human society that Jesus was seeking to inspire, it would require a deep paradigm shift after a deep paradigm shift after another deep paradigm shift. And, and it would not be a time of blessing for some of them, but they would face Deep questions, deep uh, uh, doubts about their own ab ability to to rightly assess, and 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 fears, and and a sense of of, of risk and and change. Uh, as these things turned on their, their their head, and I'm reminded of the words of the late uh, Reverend Peter Gomes. This is from his book, The Scandalous Gospel of Jesus, one of my favorites of his, page 42. It's interesting to note that those who most frequently call for fair play are those who are advantaged by the play as it currently is, and that only when that position of privilege is endangered are they likely to benefit from the change required to play by the rules. What if the rules are in inherently unfair or simply wrong or a greater good is to be accomplished by changing them. When the gospel says the last will be first and the first will be last, despite the fact that it is counterintuitive to our cultural presuppositions, it is invariably good news to those who are last and at least problematic.
problematic news to those who see themselves as first. Equity, it threatens those who spend their energy striving to have more than others. And it's good news to those who are working for a just, compassionate, safe world for everyone. And a world becoming more equitable, it'll bless some and it'll be felt as a woe by others. And I want to add a word of clarification here. In both Matthew's and Luke's Gospels, Jesus speaks these words. God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, that's Matthew 5.45 and Luke 6.35. God is unkind, or sorry, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. In Jesus' theology, remember, God loves all equally. And he gives to all the things that they need to thrive. We as humans have designed ways uh, for more of these resources to get to some people to the detriment of others. So, so why in Jesus's gospel are some blessed while, while others received woes if God loves all equally? Why, unlike rain and sunshine, is the blessing of the kingdom pronounced upon certain ones while woes are the only thing that's that's promised to others. A more current conversation of the differences between equity and equality, I think, can help us here. Everyday Feminism had a great article on these differences back in 2014. I'm going to put a link to it in this week's e-site. It's everydayfeminism.com forward slash 2014 forward slash 09. Uh, forward slash equality dash is dash not dash enough forward slash anyway you don't need to remember all that but uh, I'll put it I'll put the link in, in the east side e equal or equality equality is often understood as everyone getting the same thing but because everyone has a different social economic or political starting point simply giving everyone the same thing that would not necessarily create the goal of everyone having enough to thrive some would still have more than they need while others just simply would not. And when everyone is different, fairness and success also differ. And the image to the to the image that that comes to mind, and I'll put this to in the east side as well. But the image of of a fence with three people uh, of different heights trying to see over the fence, and if they're given the same uh, size box to stand on, that's equality. Everyone got the same size box, but there's still uh, not much change in 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 the heights. But if you if you give the tallest person no box who can already see over the fence, and then you give the next person who's a little bit shorter one box, and then you give the shortest person two boxes, then, then all of a sudden all three of them can see over uh, uh, the fence. So, so equity means making sure each person has enough to thrive. And that may look different for different people. Some may be receiving more, some may be receiving less. And some may cry unfair when they receive, uh, when others are receiving more than they are. Yet if this more fair or, or, or this more than that they're receiving than you is based on what they need. If, if that's more than what others have gotten, it's it's because it's, they need more than what others may have in order to thrive. Fairness takes on a more holistic, a less shallow definition in this context. In liberation theology, scholars uh, refer to the di this difference that's given to those on the margins as a preferential option for the oppressed. It's a choice to center 
center, those who are, are pushed to the edges and undersides of our society, and to, to place these people in their communities on, on equal grounds with others. The preferential option, it's required to bring about equality. In our, our small group discussions at Renewed Heart Ministries, we often say that whenever we speak of oppression or, or marginalization, those who are the most affected or the most vulnerable are those who get to share their experiences in that moment. To the degree that others are less affected by such personal and systemic injustices, they can learn to simply listen in solidarity. When it comes to discussions on gender inequity, uh, just as one example, men, especially cisgender men, they take a posture of listening. When it comes to racial inequity, those who are white learn to listen to those who are not white. In discussions on immigration justice, uh, especially here in the U.S., those who are documented citizens learn to listen. In discussions of indigenous people's lives and, and the equitable their equitable treatment, uh, non-indigenous people listen. And when we speak of LGBTQ justice, those who identify as straight, cisgender, or gender normative, they learn to listen. Th those most negatively impacted by societal injustice, they receive the blessing, while others in our present society, it could be said like Luke 6, 24 uh, states, they've already received uh, their blessing. Go back now and reread the entirety of Luke's Sermon on the Plain by Jesus and, and see if you don't uh, begin to get a, a feel for what Jesus in this story is doing. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, you'll go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets." Equity, it doesn't have to feel like inequality if we choose to see our differences and how these differences are treated uh, differently. E equality... <clears throat> It doesn't have to feel uh, like oppression, even if you're used to being privileged. And 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 we are, remember, uh, we're all in this together. What lessens one actually lessens us all, and we're connected to one another. As the, the adage goes, equality doesn't mean less for you. It's not pie. But whether we choose to, to view it that way or not, th that's another discussion. Heart group application this week, number one, I want you to go back and, again, thoughtfully read through Matthew 5, 1 through 11, and Luke 6, 17 through 26, and share with your heart group anything that in, engages your attention there. Then number two, discuss uh, whom these words would be directed toward, who would receive the blessings and the, the woes in our social context today. And then number three, share at least one community that in 2020 you would like your group to focus on working alongside with uh, for greater systemic equality in our larger society. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Right where you are today, choose love, choose compassion, take action. Another world is possible if we we choose it. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.